Psalm 23 has got to be the most loved psalm in the world. It has brought great comfort to so many people in their time of need. To the Jews, it takes such prominence that it's recited on Sabbaths and on holidays during their third meal. Why? Because it portrays such a beautiful picture of a loving Savior who cares for our souls. Aren't you glad that Jesus cares? Psalm 23 was penned uh, by David, who himself was a shepherd in his youth. It was written from the vantage point of a shepherd who led his sheep through dark valleys in order to find greener pastures on, your si on the other side. It speaks of the rich experience of a man who saw the Lord prepare a table in the presence of his enemies. Of a man who clearly saw the Lord's rod and staff comforting him. This morning we're going to join countless millions who have drawn tremendous encouragement from Psalm 23. The title again of this morning's message is, The Lord is my shepherd. Let's read it again. We've heard it already, but we'll read it again together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this psalm. And I pray, as we dig into it this morning, I pray that your people, who are your sheep, will find tremendous comfort and encouragement and strength from the psalm. Tremendous comfort to keep going on, pers persevering in the Christian life through the valleys of the shadow of death. But I pray for those who have not come to know you as Savior yet. I pray the draw of the shepherd will be on their hearts this morning. May your blessed spirit tug in their hearts and draw them in to your sheepfold. That they may also say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. First thing I want to share with you. Number one, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. When the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. And we shall not want because Christ satisfies us. He is enough. Look what it says in here. And as the song said, Christ is more. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know already it's the responsibility, the primary responsibility of the shepherd to take care of the flock. David, the writer of the psalm, could relate to the shepherd because that was his vocation before he became king. But he also could relate to the sheep because he was one of the Lord's sheep. He knew that the dry, barren wasteland in the heat of the day was tough on the sheep. This world can be a barren wasteland for all of us at times, isn't that right? And this world can be tough on us. It can be challenging. And the mounting challenges can cause us to faint in the heat of the day, so to speak. It is then that the weary sheep need to find a resting place. And I want to submit to you this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. 
The shepherd, his primary responsibility is to care for the sheep, but the shepherd makes the sheep to lie down in green pastures. We all stress and know about stress. And there's times when that stress gets too much for us and we need to find rest. And the green grass spoken of is the sprout, the fresh, ripe, tender grass. And it's the spots where the, where the grass is richer, oasis-like, as one commentator said. When the sheep graze in the green pastures, they can lie down fully satisfied, as if they'd had a really good meal, because they have. And does this not picture the so, super abundant uh, provision of God? If you're not one of the Lord's sheep, you don't understand this. But I want to tell you something, as one of the Lord's sheep, God is my provider. He is my shepherd. And when I eat from the, the green grass, so to speak, that he provides for me, it fattens me. I was told this morning I put on a bit of weight since I was last in. I think that was a good thing. As my aunt says to me, should a bit of weight suit you? But you know what? Every, bit of, every sheep needs to have a bit, of, a bit of, of fattening up, so to speak. They need to eat from the green pastures that, that come from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, this picture here is of the superabundant provision of the shepherd for the sheep. But I want to tell you, the whole psalm is about the superabundant uh, provision of the shepherd for the sheep. When you read Psalm 23, you realize that the psalmist had great confidence in the shepherd. He knew the affection that the shepherd has for the sheep. And if you're one of the lords, you know what I'm talking about this morning. You know his affection for you. It made him think about the Lord his God, this shepherd-sheep relationship. When we have the Lord, we don't need anything else. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. John 14, verse 6, we've heard that verse multiple times. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the door by whom if any man enter, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. He is our rock. He is our shield. He is our exceeding great reward. He is the bread of life. He that cometh unto him shall never hunger. You know, I grew up in the country, and in the country were cottages. I was I have a bit of a redneck. And you know, when you grow up in the country, one thing, you go to somebody's house, and they give you a meal, you're not allowed to leave hungry. And you have eaten your food, and if the food, if the plate is clear, they're coming along and dumping another lump of potatoes on your plate, and you have to keep on eating until you're definitely fed. And you know, what a wonderful picture of the shepherd who takes care of his sheep. He wants to make sure that his people are taken care of and the shepherd will never leave you hungry. I can guarantee you that. Whosoever drinketh of the water that he shall give him shall never thirst again, John chapter 4 tells us. The opening words of this psalm are very telling. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't it interesting that the very first thing we learn about the Lord is when we come to him we shall not want? Before God does anything else, he brings us what we need so much. Rest and refreshment. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. We, not, we shall not want because, the, because Christ 
satisfies us, but we also shall not want because Christ settles us. Look at verse uh, 23, uh, chapter 23, verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's settling, isn't it? Calming. I love to see, I love walking by the sea and I love to see the, 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 the sea come in against the harbour and crash against the, the rocks or, or crash against the, the, the concrete structure, whatever is there. I love to see the sea, but you know, it's not rest, it's not calming, is it? It's beautiful, I love it. It's not calming. But it's also good to walk by the blessed the lakes and uh, you take a look at the waters and just so calm. The small little lakes, everything is so calm. I've heard it said that sheep will not drink from moving water and I watched a video on YouTube where a shepherd says yes they will and he had the tap dropping and the, the, the sheep was drinking from that water, having a great time drinking from the tap. That's not what it means when it says he leads me beside still waters. You see the picture here is of quiet and gentle waters running in small and shallow channels. This is in contrast to the great rivers that, that came down very quickly and frightened the sheep because it exposed them to danger. When they thought they might be carried away by the torrents, by the violent streams, when they were drinking at them. The sheep will not drink if they're afraid. Doesn't that sound like us as human beings? The paralysis of fear. We see in the scriptures that our shepherd leads us beside the still waters. And that's because fear has the strangest power upon the strongest of individuals. When fear grips people, it causes them to be unable to fulfill their responsibilities. And not do the things that they're supposed to do. Or what they should do. Deep fear causes paralysis. Brother Joss who came over to help us and assess our building, was having a great laugh at my expense because he knows I'm afraid of heights. Amen. And uh, he said to me, you know, we're going to carry this five-gallon uh, drum of tar up this roof. I said, not me. I'm not carrying a five-gallon. I have a healthy fear of heights. The Bible says, lo, I am with you always. You can get the ears, amen. So I don't have to climb up that ladder. Now, I climb up the ladder. And I was, he was standing over the edge having a good look. But I was nervous, I was praying he wouldn't fall over. But he was having a great time, no bother to him. But I want to tell you something, fear paralyzes you. He says, it's all in your head. I said, you're right, <laughs> it is in my head. <laughs> but you know what? Fear could cause us to do the things we ought not to do and not do the things that we're supposed to do. But I want to tell you this morning, that's not the God I know. We don't have to fear him. There are some people who refuse to come to the Lord because they're afraid of him. What sort of a fear is that? What sort of a fear would keep you away from God? I submit to you, it's the wrong kind of fear. That is not the fear that comes from God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of God does not paralyze you so you're afraid to come to him. The, the, the fear of God draws you to him in, in, with cords of love. The right kind of fear. The right kind of love. The right kind of appreciation and awe of who he is. Because the Bible tells us he leads us beside still waters. He calms us down. He calms us down. He's very affectionate towards us. And that's why he does that. He loves us deeply. He comforts us. He leads us beside still waters. He doesn't just satisfy us, he settles us. 
And we, we, we shall not want because Christ satisfies us, Christ settles us. We shall not want because Christ restores us. Look at verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. The word restoration refers to spiritual strengthening and protection. No creature is more ready to go astray than a sheep. No creature is more ready to be at a loss to find its way back than a sheep. And the Lord, knowing that, compares us with a sheep. Not a very good illustration. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We're like sheep, aren't we? Aren't we? We go astray. And you know what? There's something that will draw you back to the shepherd that, that, that will work every single time. It's called repentance. Repentance is I'm going the wrong way and I'm doing the wrong thing and I'm going the wrong direction and I'm following after the wrong principles and I'm following after the wrong path. There's, I need to turn around. That's called repentance. And where, who's, who's waiting for you when you're ready to repent? His name is Jesus. He's a shepherd and the bishop of your souls and he's right there waiting for you and the minute you repent and say I'm going the wrong way he will restore you. Aren't you glad about that? He is our shepherd. Restoration is spiritual strengthening and when we're willing to repent then and only then God can restore us. Isaiah 30 verse 21 is a beautiful verse. It says, And thine ear shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. God is always there, isn't he? The shepherd is always there. He knows we're like sheep. He knows we mess up. He knows we go astray. And he never gives up on you. Men may give up on you. Your loved ones may give up on you. But I want to tell you something. There's a person and his name is Jesus. And he'll never give up on you. Because he's a shepherd. As long as you have breath, he's going to keep working with you in this life. Now once this life is over, it's too late. I was talking to somebody the other day. He was looking at our fire alarm system. And uh, we had to impress on his heart, as pointed out to the man, once to die, and after that, the judgment. Once you die, it's too late. Mer the day of mercy is gone. Once you die, you face your, the Almighty. And if you're not ready to face him, he cannot let you into his heaven. And there's only one place you can end up, and it's the place you don't want to go. It's called the lake of fire. And it's eternal. You never want to end up in that place called hell. You want the Lord to be your shepherd on this side. So you don't have to be afraid of the other side. Does that make sense? The Lord is my shepherd. We shall not want because he satisfies us, he settles us, he restores us. He's such a good shepherd. He's such a good shepherd. He will not permit us to keep wandering in the ways that lead us to ruin. He's always there looking out for us. Instead, he will clearly lead us in the paths of righteousness. Isn't that what it says in verse 3? He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Brethren, he doesn't do it for us. He does it for him because he loves us. Because it's his very character. Because he's the shepherd. And he wants to lead us in the paths of righteousness. You say, what's that look like? Turn back a few pages, please. To Psalm 15. Psalm 15. As we're looking at the shepherd. What a wonderful shepherd he is. The Lord is my shepherd. He's a wonderful shepherd. He leads us in the path of righteousness. What does that look like? 
Psalm 15, we're, look, we're just going to read four verses. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. That's righteousness. As we walk in the path of righteousness, we're going to operate by the principles of truth because truth is going to be in our hearts. The Bible says in verse 2, he that walketh uprightly. Why does he walk uprightly? It's in his heart. And he worketh righteousness. Why does he work righteousness? Because it's in his heart. And he speaketh the truth in his heart. Walk in the path of righteousness. God takes his truth from the word of God. And he puts it in, his, in our hearts. That's what God's after your heart. I want to tell you something. God's after your heart. He doesn't want your service. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your, your scraps or your this or your that or your righteousness. He doesn't want you to show him how good you are or how good you think you are. He wants you. He wants your heart. And when he has your heart, he has everything. It's like when two become one. The old joke was, uh, what do you pledge for your love for your wife and, and you're making your vows? And, and the man came out and says, my wallet. It's true, isn't it? Once you get married, lives, you understand, he, you can access to his wallet. <laughs> so it goes. And that can be funny, but I tell you, once you trust Jesus Christ, he has full access to your wallet because he has full access to your heart. Isn't that right? He was your heart. And walking the path of righteousness means truth is in your heart. But, you know, when you walk in the path of righteousness where the Lord leads you, you're going to be a lot more careful about how you use your tongue. All of us are guilty of being careless with our tongue. Critical with our tongue uncaustic with our tongue, right? We're all guilty of it. And you know, whenever I hear people talk about me and they talk about me, I remind myself, I've done it myself. Why, what right have I to be offended if people talk about me when I've done that in the past myself? We're all careless with our tongues. But I thank God when he leads us in the paths of righteousness. The Bible tells us in verse 3 of this psalm that he that backbited not with his tongue those are the people who are walking righteously. They don't backbite with their tongues. They're careful with their tongues. But you're also, when you walk in righteousness, you're more careful with how you treat people. Have you ever heard the phrase, whatever goes around, comes, comes around, goes around? Did I say it the right way around? Goes around, comes around, comes around, goes around. One of those ways. You can explain to me later. Hopefully I get it. But if it goes around, comes around, you know. And you know, the thing is that uh, um, we have to be careful how we treat people. Because that same person, we may treat badly. We may need that person's help tomorrow. The Bible says in verse 3, that the need of work of righteousness doesn't take up reproach against his neighbor. Not looking to fight with people. There are some people that are looking to get your dukes up. Let's have a scrap here, you know. Some people are like that. Not the way of the righteous. It's not the way of the righteous. When the Lord leads us in the way of righteousness, we're careful with how we treat people. But also in verse 4, it says, In whose eyes a vile person is condemned. And what does that mean? It means this. 
We hate what God hates and love what God loves. That's what the righteous do. They don't get carried away with the philosophies of the day or the propaganda of the day or the political persuasion of the day. They say right is right, wrong is wrong. I want to see God things from God's perspective, not man's perspective. Amen? That's walking righteously. That's walking righteously. That's walking in the paths of righteousness. I want to tell you something. If you allow the Lord Jesus Christ to save you and become your shepherd, he will change your life. Don't be afraid. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And everything he'll do in your life is good. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible says all things work together for good for them that love God, to them who are called to call according to his purpose. Isn't that what it says? Do you believe God wants to work good in your life? Do you believe that? Let him be your shepherd. We will be the people of the word if, if we walk in righteousness. Verse 4, the Bible says, But he honoreth them that fear the Lord, and he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. I love when people say what they mean, they mean what they say, and they live by the word. I love that. When they agree to say, that's it. When they agree to something, yeah, I'll do it. It's done. There are certain people, when they say they're going to do something, I never have to think about it again. Isn't that a blessing? Don't you like people like that? What you say, once they say, yep, yeah, I'll take care of it, you know it's done. Because they swear to their own hurt, the Bible says in verse 4, and change not. These are people of the book, people who walk in righteousness. As we walk in the path of righteousness, we will not use or abuse or take advantage of others. You know what it's like to be on the receiving end of, of being careless with people and taking advantage of people and say what could I get out of that person and I've said to you a million times and I'll say it for the million and first time if it's a good deal for you it may not be a good deal for the other person it's not right we don't always have to get a good deal we just have to walk in righteousness does that make sense it's not like we want to pay the highest price but at the same time make sure we treat other people right does that make sense Verse 5 tells us, He that putteth not his money to usury, he's not looking for interest when he sends, he gives money, he lends it out and he expects the same amount back again, nor take a reward against the innocent. He's not looking to make money or take advantage of people. He that do these things shall never be moved. I want to tell you something, when the Lord is your shepherd and you walk in righteousness, you're never going to be moved. Because God is watching out for you. You have his hedge of protection around you and no matter what happens at the end, he's always there making sure you're okay because he's your shepherd. That's a wonderful thing to know, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now two short points as I finish this message. When the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. Number two, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not fear. Look at verse four, we're back in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 verse four. <laughs> Psalm 23, verse 4. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. But number two, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not fear. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Brethren, life is not all about mountaintops. I'd love to tell you this morning, you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you allow the Lord to be your shepherd, you're going to have mountaintop experiences. And the older, more mature Christians who've been around for a while will say, did he say that? That's not real life. Life is full of mountaintops. It's also full of valleys. And the mountaintops are great, but the valleys are tough. 
They're tough. Sometimes the sheep find themselves on paths with dangers, deep as valleys, and uh, dark as a shadow, and dreadful as death itself. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Oh, you give yourself to Jesus Christ, and you give your life to him, you do whatever God wants you to do, you know, life will be great, you're always going to be happy. Uh, the Apostle Paul wants to differ with you on that one. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wants to lay it out. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm not trying to talk you out of becoming a Christian, by the way. But I want to be real with you, because I don't want to lie to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, which was in parts of Europe today, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. Here's a man following Jesus Christ with all his heart. The Lord was his shepherd, and he said he despaired even of life. I read to, I read every year the Confession of St. Patrick, and he had a similar experience. Life can be very difficult at times. Paul said this, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. And he said, we, we thought we were going to die, we thought this is it. But I don't want to live with how I feel. I don't want to give in to how I feel. I want to live Christ in me, Christ over me, Christ around me, Christ through me, Christ in everyone I meet. Isn't that what St. Patrick said? It's called the breastplate, right? That's how Paul lived. And he said, I just need him. I just need Christ because there's nothing left in me, verse 10, who delivered us from so great death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And Paul had nothing to hold on to, but he believed in Jesus Christ. Brethren, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. If you trust in him, if you repent of your sin, you put your faith in the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for your sins, and you repent of your sins. I want Jesus. I don't want myself. I don't want my life. I don't want my ways. I want him. I don't want my righteousness. I want his righteousness. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he becomes your shepherd. You don't have to want. You don't have to fear. No matter what goes your way. Then, when we face those fears... We have, to continue, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going to continue to trust the shepherd? Very often, God's precious children, they face fears, and they run. They run. They say, it's too hard. I can't do it. And the reason why they say those things is they, they can't see the shepherd. Now, I understand he's invisible. But with eyes of faith, we've got to trust that the shepherd still loves us and the shepherd is still there no matter what we're going through. We've got to believe he is trustworthy because his word promises that he is. And at the end of the day, we've read the end of the Bible. We know what's going to happen. We know he's going to get the victory and we know what side we're on. But just remember, he's the shepherd. And no matter what you're going through, you can trust him. A number of people have to face their fears. We are passing out leaflets in St. Patrick's Day. And you know what? I'm used to evangelism. Even I face fears. Putting out that first leaf and passing out that first leaf is a difficult one, isn't it? It's challenging. But you just, you know, and I thought to myself, I'm not going to name the person, but there's somebody in this room. And I said, this person would do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> that helped me overcome my fears by thinking of some of my faithful people in the congregation who show more boldness than I do half the time. But I can trust the shepherd. 
I can trust the shepherd. Stop thinking who is it looking around. <laughs> we can trust the shepherd, right? We can trust the shepherd because he's so faithful and he gives us that strength to overcome our fears. The comfort of the shepherd is always there when we're willing to trust him. The same God who leads us in the path of righteousness also leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember that. The same God who leads us by the still waters and, 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 and to the, the, the green pastures also leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. But when he does, he comforts us. The Bible says in verse 5, or verse 4, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod was used for the inspection of the flock, and the, 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 the shepherd would have his rod, and the sheep would pass under the shepherd's rod, and as they passed through, he would just quickly inspect them, make sure they're okay, make sure they still have four legs, you know, and make sure that everything's okay, nothing's hurt. Aren't you glad that the shepherd inspects you? Aren't you glad he watches over you and makes sure you're okay? The staff was to use to defend the sheep dog from dogs or wolves or mountain lions or whatever. And uh, the, the, the shepherd would use that staff very skillfully. It was also used to seize the legs of sheep who were trying to run away when they would get, uh, they were disposed to run away. They, maybe, they would get afraid and they'd run away and, and, and the shepherd would take the staff and pull them up. Not everyone is comforted by the staff of the shepherd. I recommend you get used to the staff of the shepherd. When he pulls you back when you're straying, don't resist him. Don't resist the staff. That staff is there to comfort you. You say, how do you know? Because it says here in verse 4, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But I don't like that staff pulling me back. But you need it. You need the shepherd's influence in your life. You need the shepherd's instruction. You need the shepherd's interference. You need the shepherd to stand between you and great danger. Because the shepherd's always watching out for you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He comforts with the rod and staff. He also comforts with his provision. Look at verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And we don't have the time to go into all these verses, but let me just quickly say this. The shepherd prepares a table before our enemies. There are people who don't like you for no other reason than you're a Christian. There are people who don't like you for no other reason than you want to do the right thing. You know, we're losing the right to have opinions. We're losing to have the right to have any voice. We're losing the right to have any desire for righteousness. But people can legislate, make all sorts of rules against righteousness. But they can't take away your conscience. And if you have a conscience and you want to live right before God, People aren't going to like you. You're going to make enemies with people. You don't think of them as your enemy. You love them. The Bible commands us to love everyone. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. But they'll hate you because of what you believe. But the Bible says, that prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And I remember being in a job where this girl, and I was working in a tech support, and she hated me. I had no idea why until she told me that I was telling others about Jesus Christ, and she hated me for that. And I, I felt so much comfort at the end of that. <laughs> I did. Because I thought it was me being dumb. It was, I just tell people about the Lord. Okay, I'll take that. But you know, the thing is that... Uh, but God gave me three times the ratings than she had. 
because there was feedback from customers and you had to fill out a survey and customer service. And I, she was friendly and happy and I had no idea. But my boss came to me and says, you got three, time, three times the rate. Maybe she hated me for that too. I don't know. <laughs> but the Bible says that prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. She wasn't my enemy. I mean, I didn't think of her as an enemy. She thought of me as an enemy. And I'm trying to be nice. I couldn't understand why she was doing this. But I know God prepared a table before me. I'm, I'm glad I have, a, I have a shepherd who looks out for me, aren't you? Some have said, when life hands you a lemon, make lemonade. But I want to tell you something. It's God that gives you the grace and the ability to turn that lemon, that bitter thing. Now, some people like eating lemon. <laughs> Crazy people. <laughs> they do. They eat lemons like that. I've seen children do that. What's wrong with them? I might have been dropped on the head when I was a child. Maybe that child was too. I don't know. But the point is, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but the point is this, that, uh, but, but, but life can do that to us, can, can, can hand us very difficult trials. But the Bible says that prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that anoints my head with oil. And the Lord says, it doesn't matter. Let them think whatever they want to think about you. I'm taking that oil and I'm pouring it over your head. I'm going to give you all the comfort in the heat of the day. You could be under heat, you could be under fire, and God is just massaging your head with all that oil, making you feel so comfortable. Aren't you glad about that? I love that. So much so that the Bible says, my cup runneth over. If God be for us, isn't that the Bible? He that spared not his own son, but delivered up, up for us all, how she not with him also freely give us all things. That's the second part of that verse, or the next verse, should I say. It's great comfort that the, to know that the shepherd is always on our side. It removes all paralysis. The Lord is my shepherd. You, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. When the Lord is your shepherd, you will not fear. Finally, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not retreat. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have to pursue goodness and mercy. You have to look for mercy. Mercy's going to come looking for you. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I wasn't looking for trouble. Trouble came looking for me. You know, well, sometimes it's because they are looking for trouble. But anyway, but you have to look for mercy. When the Lord is your shepherd, mercy's going to come looking for you. Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all our days. It's a quiet confidence, a blessed assurance that everything is going to be okay. And here's the sports illustration. It has to come in somewhere. I knew Ireland was going to win. We all knew Ireland was going to be England. But I was stressing with them. They were, had so many handling errors. And I just thought, this is not the Ireland I know. I'm glad they're not playing, Fra playing France right now because France would murder them because they wouldn't have let... They're playing England. <laughs> Bless their hearts. You know, <laughs> poor England. But they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, make us pay. But the thing is, I knew at the end of it, they're going to do this. They're going to be okay. They just need to relax. Sport always makes a wonderful illustration of real life. We just need to relax. And stop getting stressed. And stop having those 22 handling errors. Passing the ball forward. Or dropping the ball. Or jumping up for or kicking up in the air for no reason. Or kicking out to the sidelines for a throw in and you make two meters. And you're at the and, and, and you're you're on the and there and there and you're at the ten meter line. I mean, 
put them in a wonderful position to score a, a, a try. But don't get stressed. Don't worry. Don't get carried away with fears. This world, one of the greatest problems in our beloved country is fear. Fear grips people's hearts. But when the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have to want and you don't have to fear. And you know what? When the Lord is your shepherd, you can keep on going. You will not retreat. So many people give up because of fear. They're afraid to take the next step. And they forget that we are on the victory side. And they can't stop and think for a second, everything is going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Because Jesus Christ, the King of glory, is on the throne. And he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I love what it says at the end of the psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Life is full of changes. Life is full of seasons, isn't it? But through it all, as we're going up and down on the roller coaster road of ride of life, the Lord Jesus Christ remains the same and he hasn't moved. Aren't you glad about that? Again and again, he proves to us how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. And this only strengthens, only serves to strengthen our desire to dwell in his house forever. And that's what the psalmist says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I can't wait. You know, you, those words are in there in his head. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you ask people today, do you want to go to heaven? They really don't have an opinion. Because number one, they don't think about it. It's like trying to pass the leaving cert without ever opening a textbook. That's not going to happen. No, prepare, no preparation. But I think the biggest reason why people don't think about whether they're going to go to heaven or not is because they don't trust the shepherd. If you know how good the shepherd is, you're thinking, I can't wait to be with him in heaven. If he's this good to be on earth, what's it going to be like when I be with him in glory? <laughs> again and again, he proves how much he loves and cares for us. And, and until we dwell in his house, we have work to do. We have a work to do for the shepherd. And all of the comfort he offers us gives us the courage to keep pressing on no matter what, and you can say, no matter what I go through, I'm going to keep on going because surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to get sidetracked. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to get off target. I'm going to keep following Jesus Christ, who is my shepherd, because I know he's with me and he's never going to leave me. This morning we've said, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want, you will not fear, and you will not retreat. Now, as this week is the week of St. Patrick's Day, I want to take a, a few moments to talk about the man who we call St. Patrick. The man who brought the gospel in a powerful way to Ireland. There's possibly evidence that God, the gospel came to Ireland before him, but he really brought it to Ireland. Patrick said of himself, after he came here, every day I had to tend sheep. He was a 16-year-old boy brought to Ireland. He was a shepherd, right? 
but inside he was broken and he was hopeless. Again, he said, I was like a stone lying in a deep mire. But everything changed when he remembered his instruction from his youth and he made the Lord his shepherd. And then he said, in his mercy, he lifted me up and raised me aloft and placed me on top of a wall. Big difference being, between being in the mire and being on top of a wall, isn't there? After the Lord became a shepherd, he did not want, neither did he have to fear when he was attacked by a number of his seniors. People, when he went back to Dunbarton in Scotland or wherever he was from, they tried to discredit him when he felt a call to be a, a pastor. And he, he went through a deep depression, it seems. But he came through the other side because the Lord was the shepherd. Some men, probably jealous men, they wanted to discredit him. And he felt like giving up. But the Lord was his shepherd. The Lord came to his aid when Patrick went through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank God he didn't retreat. Aren't you glad about that? Because he brought the, the gospel to this country. And for 600 years, history records the gospel reigned in this country. Maybe more. S between six and 800 years, the gospel reigned in this country. I wish we were back then. Because the gospel is not reigning in this country anymore. We need more men like Patrick. Who really believe that the Lord is our shepherd. This land was... He had to overcome insurmountable obstacles. This land was filled with paganism. It was controlled by high kings, the Ordry, the high kings, who daily sought to kill him. But he wasn't afraid, because the Lord was his shepherd. He refused to retreat. And at the end of a fruitful missionary life, he had thousands of converts, thousands he baptized, thousands he had seen one for Jesus Christ. Patrick had a savior who met his needs, who comforted him, and in his fears and caused him to claim all the victories he needed. And brethren, I want to tell you something. Patrick's saviour was Paul's saviour. Patrick's shepherd was the Apostle Paul's shepherd. And he can be our shepherd if we want to. This morning I want to share with you, the Lord is my shepherd. But I want to ask you the question, is he your shepherd? Can we go to the Lord in prayer? Can we bow our heads and go to the Lord and think about the things that were said tonight?